Hello, 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 and welcome back to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben K. Abagnale Jr. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions, and today's question is, how did Frank pass the bar exam in Louisiana? Will he ever tell? He says he studied. He says he studied, but is that another is that another classic Abagnale Jr. or Abagnale just in general scheme? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean That's the, the whole story. thing's kind of a scheme and the story itself, right? So that's, that's the name of the game. Uh should that be a reveal later? Yeah, why not? We'll mm, save that. Who knows? Who knows how you much gave it away already? Who knows Maybe how much you Googled him? <laughs> How much dramaturgy will we dig into on this episode? Let's find out. Um, we love questions, folks. Welcome back. It's 2022. We're back on the main feed. We're grateful you're here. As always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. Hello, Bran. Hello. Happy New Year. We are here. Happy New Year. We are live in living color, whatever the fuck that means. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, here, yep. we're here to talk about... Uh, the 2002 film Catch Me If You Can, directed by Steven Spielberg, and its subsequent 2011 musical theater adaptation with a book by Terrence McNally, music by Mark Shaman, and lyrics by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. Uh, and yeah, we're going to just jump into it. We don't have a guest this week. We're, you know, we took a month off, friendly main feed friends. Uh, and we're, we're just gonna, we're getting back into things. We're getting back into the rhythm of things. So we're going to be guestless for, a, for these first few episodes. We've got, we're going to get yeah. some lovely guests joining we'll us soon. We'll have guests again. But you like we us. We can like burn bridges or make no. people that, make no. people not like us or something. It's also, everyone, Scheduling. It's, it's scheduling's tough, y'all. It's, it's a tough thing, uh, especially in the indie podcast game, but we're thrilled to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you like us, I would like to think. You you enjoy the musings of Ben K and Brad Moorhead, I would like to believe. I'd assume it's not like a hundred different people every week that are just friends of whoever the guest is. <laughs> yeah, I think so. we have some appeal. Who knows? We're not as charismatic. We're not as charismatic as the subject of uh this episode, uh Frank Abagnale Jr. So yeah, so you are. A few are, um, and that's sort of the, the hook of the thing. So this is actually uh, one of the only times on the main feed we'll be talking about the filmography of Steven Spielberg. Um, you know, obviously on our Patreon, you can go to our Patreon. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash movie the musical, and you can hear us talk about Steven Spielberg's masterful film adaptation of West Side Story. Um... But go see it. You should go see it if you can. It's a real good one. Um, it's really wonderful. But for, when we're looking at like films of his that have been adapted for the stage in musical form, um, you know, there are few and far between. You know, you got this one. Arguably, you have The Color Purple, which... Interesting. Um, again, I is just... Is it based on the movie? And that's the, kind these, of? These are the questions, because it it's definitely based on the book by Alice Walker. For sure. Um, so we gotta, I gotta, I gotta like, triple check to see, like, what do they credit its uh, original source yeah. material being? I mean, that's that's also a fascinating show. Um, and I, I'd argue a far better adaptation than what we're talking about today. Um, 
And I will say, I, I tried to do this, but I think Brad and I might do this in the course of the episode, especially in the latter half of the episode. Uh, we're going to be making an interactive element uh, for future episodes, <laughs> friends, because it's nice to hear us talking all, but why don't... It'd be nice to have you be able to play along at home with our We call antics. this gamifying. You have to gamify everything <laughs> these days. So, um, ideally by now, I've already posted this to our social medias, Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're just there as Movie the Musical. I'm putting in all the plugs at the top of the episode. We're, Why not? It's a new year. We're playing around with format. I love it. I'm feeling loose and like a loose goose. Um, but uh, you'll find on our social medias a bingo card that I will have made based on the musings that we come up with in this episode. Um, so you'll mm -hmm. you'll have it before it exists. Uh, this is why this is such a good episode for us to come back with, a good subject for us to come back with. Yes. Because this one, this, this musical adaptation really checks a lot of the boxes that we're always harping on and yelling about uh, that, that uh, tend to crop up when you adapt a movie into a musical. So. And, I mean, it's also a classic... This movie is really good, and this musical kind of takes everything. Not so much. Yes, exactly. I mean, we'll get into yeah. that. I mean, uh, so yeah, so you'll you'll have our bingo card. You'll have our official movie, the musical bingo card that you'll be able to play along at home, and maybe you'll get a maybe you'll get a bingo. <laughs> playing well, along what if games. we? What if we? What if we like? print and laminate some real ones and send to Patreon people, and then we can randomize them and make it really like bingo, you know? Because if they're all the same, then everybody bingos at the same time. That'd be pretty fun. That's, That's pretty a fun, fun idea. Maybe. I like that idea. How much does it cost to laminate something these days? You can buy a no, laminate. We'll look into it. We'll look into it. <laughs> we don't. This is Let's not cut this. Frank Abagnale probably knows how to laminate it's, on the cheap. He's very good about that. Okay, so so I want to get back to Steven Spielberg. I mean, there's a few there's a few different threads I want to go uh, want to follow here, but Steven Spielberg is definitely one of them. Um, because I mean, he's a fascinating figure. He's a fascinating. I mean, we'll I'll say we're recording this the day that uh, famed director actor film critic oh, yeah. uh, Peter Bogdanovich passed away, which is very sad. Um, you might know him. He's the director of films like What's Up, Doc? Uh, the Last Picture Show, uh, Paper Moon. Um, and he was sort of a uh, fixture. Uh, some of our former guests that are Sopranos fans would know him as uh, Dr. Melfi's psychiatrist. There you go. Uh, on The Sopranos. Dr. Melfi's psychiatrist from that HBO show people love. Uh, but no, he was like a true figure in the transition from classic Hollywood to new Hollywood. Um, uh, yeah. Which I would say that Spielberg is someone who took that mantle of new Hollywood and ran with it. Like, you know, it's it's folks like him. Sort of ushered in with Lucas, new, new Hollywood. Exactly. New, you, new. Know, you know, a new, new. Yes. It's, you know, like him and, and Coppola and Scorsese and, yeah. and yeah, Lucas, like you said. Um, Ridley Scott, even. Ridley Scott, even. Um, but, yeah. But, so, I mean, yeah, Spielberg, Spielberg, like, you know, invented the blockbuster in a way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jaws is sort of, like, seen as, like, the beginning of the hollywood blockbuster like it, it is mm -hmm. kind of i mean like it was jaws in, in 76 right yeah jaws 75 so. 75 there you go and then two years later star wars 77 like so like yes. that those like yeah, like the 75 to 77 was like when modern hollywood was birthed for better or worse um and i mean the the thing about this is 
you, I hate to give it to him, but his movies are very good. Like that's the, Steven like, that's, Spielberg. You yes. hate to give it to Steven Spielberg. I huh? hate to give it. No. Uh, I I love you know what? Yeah, controversial take. Spielberg, good. You know, because crazy. All, I know because well, you know it's like one of those things where it's like oh, like you know he's like such. It's easy to call him overrated as a filmmaker, but sure, then you like, I guess. but then you like watch his movies and it's like no, he's actually like mastered like how to make. Like, he is, like, one of the true, like, American masters yes. of contemporary filmmaking. Like, I... I like he made that, a movie yeah. called Jurassic Park. <laughs> have you heard of it? Like, come, Have you ever anybody heard of Jurassic Park? Yeah, he made... Oh, and also, uh, E.T. Uh, there's a couple of films this guy's made. <laughs> the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, all, well, uh, the three Indiana Jones movies that we remember. Um, 1941, ladies and gentlemen, and okay. everyone else. Um, now we're starting to fall off. I know, I know. He, remember, he not only made Jurassic Park, he made Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. Um, kind of wild. Both and so, dominating both ends of like major Hollywood spectrum of yes. the Oscar darling and the huge blockbuster. In my opinion, perfect movie that is Jurassic Park. Yes, it's a good. It is. It, it, I would argue it's a perfect movie. He's in a very fascinating. He, you know, he goes through these periods. So obviously, he had like you know he had the. He's starting out. He's making movies like uh. He's making almost like pristine pulp movies things like duel and jaws and then he like starts to get some of that earnestness with things like close encounters and et uh and and then he goes for the prestige with things like the color purple and empire of the sun and then obviously schindler's list which is like peak like prestige spielberg um saving private ryan um and then i mean obviously we've seen this year with west side story he's he's still got it He's like seventy-five yeah. years old, and he's still got it. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. Honestly, no. He has he's a new got that movie about his dad coming out. Well, I mean, and this is, I mean, this is a perfect episode. I mean, so Steven Spielberg famously makes movies about dads. Like he's, oh, he, yeah. he, like he was growing up. Uh, he didn't have a great relationship with his dad. I think by the time before his dad passed away, they're like mended things as as well as one could but like famously like if you really look at like the filmography of steven spielberg there's a lot about dads hook is like i say hook is like the ultimate i miss my dad movie <laughs> like sure um i mean even west side Story i miss my dad and also i'm a bad dad yeah exactly mark? yeah like, like exactly um west side story uh ended with a with a message on the screen that said two dads um, mm. It was dedicated to his father. Yeah, West Side Story, no dads, not a dad in sight. No, and that's what's wrong with the Jets. They got no dads. <laughs> that's no why dads. they're all. That's why they're all menaces. Um, but I would argue um, that his best dad movie is Catch Me If You Can, a movie all about dads. Fair enough. I think there's I mean, a lot of dads. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's his best dad movie, but you know, what's I, his, I accept this argument. Well, well, then, Brad, what's his best? We love questions. Here's a question: What's his best dad movie? Um, AI, but it's a mom movie. Sure, or War of the World. <laughs> no. War of the Worlds, yeah. maybe. This is a dad movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean this is in the arg This is in the running for that. I think you could say 
one about being a father is weirdly enough uh temple of doom is kind of about being a dad sure even though like jurassic park or jurassic park indiana jones <laughs> 4 is more about like is directly textually about like being an absent dad i think that like Temple of Doom. That's kind of like what the uh, relationship with Short Round and mm-hmm. with um, he's like deciding if he wants a family or not. But however, uh, Jurassic Park is a huge movie about being a dad. That's Sam Neill's whole character arc, you know? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's like not wanting to have anything to do with kids. And then by the end, he's like, ah, oh, these kids, these dinosaurs, though. Woo. <laughs> so hey, that's, the, that's the, everybody knows that's the moral of Jurassic Park. You know, kids, Park. Are, a kids, ha- kids are a handful, but I, at least they're not these fucking dinosaurs, I'll tell you. dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so catch me if you no can. No dads in the dinosaurs either, because they're all women. It's true. They're all moms. No dino dads. Man, they all they are all girl bosses, those dinosaurs. They are all girl <laughs> in bosses. Jurassic Park. I'll give them that. Um uh, But Catch Me If You Can, which is the movie that we're talking about today. Um Also directed by Steven Spielberg. Directed by Steven Spielberg. And yeah, again, this was a very interesting period, like the early two thousands. Um so yeah, he made a he he won his second Oscar for Saving Private Ryan in nineteen ninety-eight. Um he makes AI, which is essentially like him finishing a Stanley Kubrick project. Um, and then he's like oscillating between like these like prestige dramas and then these like big actiony movies. Like literally, it's Minority Report, then Catch Me If You Can. Then the term Same of- year also. Yeah. He exactly. gets, he's, has this period of like two movie years where he's just knocking it out of the park yeah. with both of them. Then he makes War of the Worlds and Munich. Like, in the same year, yeah. they both come out. Um, and uh, The Terminal comes out as well around this time, too. Um, he's, uh, yeah, 2011. He directed The Terminal. He did. Wild. He did. Um, Great. 2011, he does The Adventures of Tintin, and he does War Horse. Like, he's, he's, bu- he's throwing them out. Um, mm-hmm. He makes Ready Player One, and during post-production of Ready Player One, he makes the post that comes out before Ready Player One comes out. Yeah, I wonder what if that says more about his work ethic or more about, like, the timeline of post-production in an sure. incredibly CG-heavy movie, but, you know. <laughs> A little bit of both, I think, I would say. Yeah, totally. Um, but... The thing about Catch Me If You Can, uh, which I think is a great, what I think is a great movie, and I, I would honestly say it's one of his best movies, is what is my sort of like stake in the stake pull in the sand that I'm going to plot. Um, is that I I love it's probably in the top. He's that's the thing is his film his filmography is huge. Yeah, like it's probably in his top ten, and he's I got would, like twenty movies. I know. I would I would argue it's in his top ten, even close to top five for me. So I think it's his best dad movie. I think it's one of his best movies. I think it is so, it encapsulates so much of what makes him a good filmmaker. And also especially like it, it highlights the best of what he brings out in his collaborators as well, is what I think is really good about this movie. Mm. Because obviously, obviously any movie is only as good as the other, a director's movie is only as good as the people that they're working with. Right. And like, sure. I feel like John Williams is kind of working at the top of his game here. Like what a beautiful jazzy out of character too. Yeah. Like it, I mean, he can, do just about anything, especially at this point in his almost hundred year career. 
Um, but like, right. this is, this is a very atypical John Williams score. He's really leaning into this, like Henry Mancini yeah. sort of like vibe of Pink Panther with all the, the like Barry Sachs and the oboe, as well mm -hmm. as the, uh, like, I love the, all the use of the marimba and the like main theme and even the like, shh, like all I that know. Stuff. Yeah. Da -da 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 -da. Like the, the shushes and snaps. And the, yeah. Yeah. It's Very so cool. yeah that I mean that opening title sequence uh, and I I wrote that it's uh designed by uh Council de Gas um beautifully designed opening title sequence like they don't yeah I you know I'm not always a fan of the phrase they don't make them like they used to but gosh they don't make them like they used to sure uh, well I mean they didn't they weren't making them like this when this movie I know, came I mean, out yeah, in two thousand two either this is, this is like it's, yeah. Yeah, they're really leaning into that '60s vibe, and it's like coming across in the score and in the, the 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 way that the like illustrations are done. But I mean, like that's what it reminds me of is the Pink Panther opening. Sure, yeah, I mean it, it's definitely like Pink Panther vibes. It definitely reminds me of like a Soul Bass, uh, style sure. like title opening, something like Vertigo, uh, that that kind of something like Anatomy of a Murder, like that style of like opening yeah credits, that really clean sequence. lines and like almost mod like advertising madmen sort of aesthetic <laughs> design sure. you know um and obviously cool. on this film he also has his regular collaborators uh at least for this part of his career uh janusz kaminski as a cinematographer and uh michael wow. khan as his editor who i believe performed the same duties on west side this this past year i know kaminski did i don't remember the editing but i, I believe think you. michael khan did as well but i can't uh, believe like who was this guy before kaminski they've been going for like over 20 years 25 I think years so now. yeah it, it was michael khan who did west side as well so yeah cool. so yeah it's um and i think they're doing amazing work i think oh, it's yeah. like kind of like a little bit i mean obviously like they're like showing off when they can but i think honestly like it's a little bit understated some of the way that they film this movie and just sort of how smooth smoothly paced it is and how like it i think it moves i mean it's a little like over two hours but it really moves yeah it's like honestly. two hour 20 but it's all good it doesn't <laughs> yeah, it feel is. long you know and i would say also like a big a big argument i would make is i feel like this is the movie that sort of was a a fulcrum point for the careers of both Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. I feel like this. Oh, I I one hundred percent agree for Leo. Tom Hanks, you think too, huh? I th I mean he's he's taking on the dad role in this movie. Sure. So I think this is and like sure. I mean I'd, I'd I'd have to look at their filmographies to sort of see like what else was happening around here. I think like he does like Road to Perdition. I think this is the same year as Road to Perdition actually. So this is definitely another like, good movie. Mm -hmm. This is a, like, another that which is I think another like sort of like dad role for Tom Hanks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've got mail was not so long before this five years maybe or so 96 or 97 i he, think does that character he no he's kid. not a dad that's what i'm saying he's he's oh, no he sure, doesn't have sure, a kid sure, he's yeah. like a romantic lead in that yes um you know and rom-com lead in that still and does not have a kid and he's yeah. not like a dad a divorced or widowed dad meeting meg ryan he's single son of a billionaire meeting <laughs> right. Meg Ryan. And, and like, obviously, especially for Leo, heartthrob. he, I mean, he, I think he's still a heartthrob, whatever. He's... Oh no, totally. But you, I don't know in the, in, in a casting direct. Yes, absolutely. A, yes. Unimaginative. Cause there are plenty of, <laughs> uh, we have had some, we've had an imaginative casting director on this very podcast, but like an unimaginative yes. 
uh, Hollywood casting director. Yes. Uh, sure, sure. And, like, even, like, Leo, like, obviously, like, so much of his character is, like, what what makes his character is his youth and his sort of, like, playing off the charm of being, yeah. like, a young person. But I think this is still, like, a very different kind of leading man role for Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, yeah. He's having to do a lot more than even in Baz Luhrmann's, like, Romeo and Juliet, yeah. which I feel was, like, a sort of a different peak of his career of, like, youth, emotion, passion, fire. Because in this, he's got a, I don't know, he's, obviously, he's pretending to be a lot of different people while being mm -hmm. the same person. Something about the smoothness that he has or yeah. the, the confidence. Because, um, yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, yeah, this is this is the same year as Gangs of New York, wild. Um <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, cause yeah, he did, cause Titanic was 97, of course. Then he did, uh, The Man in the Iron Mask the next year. He does a movie called Celeb, uh, there's a fucking Woody Allen movie called Celebrity. Uh, he's in that movie, The, the Beach. That's a Danny Boyle oh, yeah. movie in 2000. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say this is like the big one where it's like a really sort of more, it's, it's almost like playing, and, and I think that's a big, and that's. I think everyone here. Let me let me gather my thoughts. St Spielberg is an earnest filmmaker, right? I mean, that is like to a T. Incredibly like, so. He's an incredibly earnest filmmaker, and I think what's really great about Catch Me If You Can is that he's using he's weaponized. I, I feel like everyone here is almost weaponizing their earnestness, right? Like yeah. this is obviously a movie about a con. This is a movie about lies and deceit. Um, and turning things on their head. And I think Spielberg is doing so in the filming and in the sort of the craft of the thing. And I think Leo is doing that with his character. He's like, I know I'm a heartthrob. I know I'm this like idol for like teenagers. And I'm going to yeah. use that as the thing that's going to like get me what I want is this character, Frank Abagnale Jr. Mm hmm. He's just he's just being the put in the pussy posse on screen. He is he is in the pussy posse on screen. He's Frank Abagnale Jr. is uh, the latest addition to the pussy posse at this point. It's true, because um, yeah, what a, what's and I'm trying to think like just, what is everyone up to these days? So obviously Tom Hanks. He was in that movie Fletch, uh, Space Fletch. I forget what. He like... was killed by coronavirus <laughs> and replaced by a, a robot. Yes. <laughs> he's replaced by a deep fake. There you go. Um, but he's actually going to be in that Baz Luhrmann. Speaking of Baz Luhrmann, he's going to be in that Elvis movie that Baz Luhrmann oh, yeah. is directing. That's where he well, got that, the coronavirus. That will be... Oh, because he was in Australia filming yes. that. Of course. I don't yes. really ever put together the Baz Australia connection there australia um and then obviously steven spielberg um as we alluded to he had west side story his uh, uh upcoming recipient of probably the best picture award coming up in a few months <sighs> who's to say who's to say but... we'll have a again become a patreon subscriber that's where all the oscar talk is going to be relegated to so mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and leo of course his most recent film you know it you love it it's clearly one of the... I think this is clearly the best picture winner. Don't look up. Netflix's Don't Look Up. Don't worry, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I didn't look at or it, anywhere near. It, it, what, if, what if two centrist liberals wrote a movie based Great. on Twitter? Um, no, it's... I don't want to get into Don't Look Up. 
Um, again, maybe you'll get more of those thoughts on the Patreon. I just, like I said, just take its advice. <laughs> Don't look up at the screen on Netflix whenever is, it comes on your He on is going to be in the new Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower yes. Moon. Yes. That's going to be cool. Filmed in Oklahoma, baby. I'm very much looking forward to it. The Oklahoma. book is great. The story is uh, horrible. I don't. It, it's based on a true story. Is that or what yes. is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. based on uh, these uh, the murders of the Osage people in the 1930s oh, in gosh. Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, but, uh, A lot of them got murdered for the money. Um, oh, yeah, and but, the movie yeah. should be awesome, though. It's a crazy story, and it's like, uh, and it's it's like. A bunch of organized crime, you know, which is, I think, the not not the only thing that Scorsese would have glommed onto, but obviously something he has a lot of experience with. So I'm interested to see it. I mean, but also again, like a bunch Scors- of buddies were extras. In but it as, too, as, as we know, Scorsese like has made so many movies. I mean, obviously, he's like known for his like crime movies, but like he is so yeah. like he's made movies about Jesus Christ and uh, uh, just the big the, criminal. What? Um, sure. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. The Christ Heist. That's a good movie the idea. Christ like... Heist. What's the heist? Jesus and the Twelve Disciples. I don't know. They're going to steal like uh, I mean, Judas that's... Silver, maybe. I mean, that's Ocean's Thirteen, right there. Christ. Yeah, right. Christ's Thirteen. The Christ Heist. <laughs> John three sixteen. The Christ Heist. Oh that's my what God. Called. So All catch right. me if you're you way off. Yeah, catch, catch me if you can. can. Is a movie directed by Steven Spielberg and is directed uh, written screenplays by Jeff Na- Jeff Nathanson. Uh, very good screenplay. Good work, Jeff. Um, yes. Is is based on a uh, autobiography of the same name. Uh, by. Frank Abagnale Jr. with Stan Redding, which always in my mind means Stan Redding wrote the book. Correct. And uh, Frank Abagnale Jr. fed him some info. Uh, yeah. According he... to him, they sat down four times and Frank Abagnale like told him his story each of those times and then the guy wrote it. Yeah. So it's so And Brandon, that's yeah, Brandon, sort of how it he sounds like it sounds like you did a little bit more research than I did into the the figure himself frank frank abigail jr jr yeah i mean in classic conman thing like a lot of the story of the fraud is also not true mm-hmm. like it's pretty doubtful that he he was never like listed on the louisiana bar he was never uh you know he didn't steal near as much money as he claimed to have it's also like pretty uh, there's pretty unsubstantiated that he ever actually worked for the FBI at all. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and just other, you know, I mean, it's just embellished. And like, honestly, this does not like ruin the movie or no, anything no, for me at all. It's I, still like an I awesome argue, story. I would it's argue the bigger it makes con. it better. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course it's a con. He's a con. He's all he said. He's a con artist. And then like, so now you're going to believe this though. You know, it's hilarious. Um, and uh yeah but he does work in like uh securities yeah in that in that manner of like inventing ways to make sure or to prevent fraud especially paper and wire fraud and he for a long time lived in tulsa oklahoma after he got out of jail and stuff um and i saw him at a sam's club once what was he doing i had this dvd he was i don't know shopping for stuff 
uh, checking out free samples. Was he shopping? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was trying. He was like, "Will you take a personal check to the checkout guy?" No, um, no. It was like it was right after this movie came out. I really I saw this movie in the theater and loved this movie. And we had the DVD, and there's a great. As with a lot of DVDs of the time, and especially uh, Spielberg's stuff, mm-hmm. they would do a ton of behind-the-scenes featurettes and that kind of a thing. And you'd just watch, you know, four hours of them, of <laughs> interviews and special effects and costume. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a great time to be alive if you liked special features. Uh, and so there was a bunch of interviews with Frank Abagnale. And so I, re- I was at Sam's Club with a friend or my dad and recognized him like getting a free sample and we were and <laughs> did not go talk to him though like <laughs> i don't need to no don't care he just gives he just gives out posts he would have taken my wallet probably he, he gives no he just gives out cashes checks um that's yeah, right that's what he's he like can i see your social security card for a second yeah <laughs> um so yeah i mean so that's and that's essentially what the movie is about it's you got this like as we alluded to this really beautiful opening credit sequence and then it's it's it unlike the stage show there isn't really a framing device like it opens with this little sort of like him on a to tell episode of the game show to tell the truth where it's like there are like three people and you have to guess who's the real one and which obviously it plays even one more. of them's leonardo dicaprio so we know which <laughs> yes, <one it> is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um i mean again even more playing into like the sort of the duplicitous like identities kind of thing yeah him being on that game show dramaturgically sound i tell you um but mm-hmm. yeah so it's uh, and actually it's, happened did that actually that, that actually did happen yes oh wow then, then i love that even more um but yeah we sort of and that it. was sort of the thing some of that sorry to bounce back no, to that we for got a minute, bounce. but like he uh you know he has deflected and there was like a big uh documentary or or maybe it was just yeah, a, maybe no, it was on something NPR. yeah like two years uh, ago yeah. yeah like two years ago about of this guy who did all this research and and um you know sort of all these found all the receipts as people say of uh, that all this <laughs> sure. was made up and some of the ways in the past that people when people have confronted him and like you know obviously he got a bunch of attention when this movie came out and that kind of a thing and um he's deflected in the past by what i was alluding to about the book uh, authorship of like, well, I told him that and he sort of embellished and ran with it and always, and he, he, he has said that like the author or whatever the, the guy's name who Stan, co-wrote Stan the book with Redding him. or something. Yeah. yeah Redding. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Uh, that guy always would say to Frank Abagnale, like, remember I'm writing a, I'm, I'm telling a story here. Mm. You know, it's not necessarily like a, a history book. And so, uh, but he, he has defuted, refuted some of those claims by saying that. However, then this, I guess that this new guy who's made this documentary or whatever points to the, to tell the truth episode as saying like, well, he says it, he says this same claim in 1972 or whatever, when he was on to tell the truth. So, you know, he was been full of shit for a long time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, he, yeah, he, it's a movie about a guy who's full of shit. Um, and it's, but you're intrigued. It's like, how, how is he getting away with this? How is he doing, how, it's like, it's, that's one of the fun things. It's like, so you follow this guy, this kid, 16-year-old kid. Um, Jesus. Like, uh, in the early 60s. Um, and yeah, 65. so. So this, yeah, 65. Uh, this kid, um, and I'll say the movie uh, was only nominated for two Academy Awards at that year's Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Original, and it didn't win either. Uh, it was it was nominated for Best Original Score, and then it oh, was yeah. nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Christopher Walken, who plays uh, Frank oh. Abagnale Sr. 
Do you know what won in those categories that year? I mean, I can look it up uh, while you... Uh, Especially exto- score, I'm curious. Yeah, while you extol uh, how wonderful well, Walken? a Walken is. Yeah, I he's, think he's really wonderful. He's very good First, in this my, movie. Oh, he's so good. And this is sort of a... I don't know if this was the beginning of the Walkenaissance, but <laughs> I feel like... It's around that the, then, yeah. It's around then, because that Fat Boy Slim video couldn't have been that long before this, you yeah. know, where he's dancing. And that's sort of... I remember that, like, igniting him back in the public sphere... Um, but uh, my notes for Christopher Walken in this movie, um, he should be contracted to dance in every film. Uh, it's That's such a sure. lovely little scene uh, with him and his wife. And yes. like, when he dips her. And um, it's uh, also like, when he, like, I don't know. I love how you're never really sure how deluded he is. Yeah. You know, he, he, he clearly believes his own bullshit. And that's, I think that they both do. And that's, to an extent and that's how they're so good at uh conning people is because they do believe their own lies but i think like especially at the end where he repeats you know where are you going uh are you are you going somewhere exotic somewhere exciting you know as he's in the bar and walking away and he's told him like you know i'm a fraud i gotta get out of this like it's just sad i know and it's a sad obviously this that's the sort of the hook of the movie right it's this guy who's like taught his son like i've gotten to life and i've gotten to be this guy that you love and that you admire by cheating and by sort of these methods of swindling and so he's like and you know the classic like i want to win my dad's love this is how i'm gonna live my life this is how i'm gonna move through the world the way you did uh i'm not gonna be that first mouse drowning in the in the cream i'm gonna two mice (laughs) hell in a bucket of cream (laughs) It's. God. I mean, it, yeah. It's. It. You gotta when when Walken's there. You you gotta do a, a very bad impression of him. So, uh, back to the Oscars, which I pulled up. So that year, best original score, Catch Me If You Can, John Williams was nominated. Mm-hmm. Very good other nominees. You also had uh, Elmer Bernstein nominated for Far From Heaven. You had uh, Philip Glass nominated for The Hours. Uh, oh yeah. And you had Thomas Newman nominated for Road to Perdition. But they all lost to Elliot's Golden Thor for Frida. Wow. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know that. I've never seen that movie. I haven't. A, a Julie Taymor joint. Uh, I have not seen it. Um, now this is one where I think the person who won deserved to win. Um, this and this was the Chicago year. This was the year that oh, Chicago the musical sure. uh, won Best Picture. Um, which was a Did this lose adapted screenplay to Chicago as well? Oh no, it wasn't even nominated. It wasn't even for nominated adapted for adapted screenplay. I know. Hmm. Um, I I do not like who won uh, adapted screenplay. Um, adapted screenplay went to the pianist. Um, the pianist. Ro- the pianist. The Roman Polanski film, The Pianist. Um, but it should have gone to adaptation written by Charlie Kaufman oh. and his bro- and his brother in quotes, Donald Kaufman. Um, love that movie. Insane movie. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's awesome that he just credits that. I mean, that's that way. That's, <laughs> that that's the secret awesome. to the movie. The fact yeah. that he credits it to Donald Kaufman is like the key to that movie. Oh, uh, beautiful man, movie. That's awesome. That's uh, I w- that didn't. I think Connor gave that as an answer to the end of episode question. I believe so. One time. I believe so. And God, that'd be wild. Uh, but no, supporting actor. The other nominees were John C. Riley in Chicago. Okay. Uh, Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. Okay. And Ed Harris in The Hours. And the winner 
with Chris Cooper for adaptation. Well-deserved okay. in my book. I love Chris Cooper. He's so good. And I think this is such a, it's, this is such a great performance that I could have seen just like not having won. And I'm just so glad it won. It is so yeah. creepy and charming and just, ugh, it, yeah, I don't know. It's it's the it's the twisted Florida version of Frank Abagnale Jr. in some ways. <laughs> Big couple uh, years for Chris Cooper. Around, right around like the early two thousand. Like American Beauty, yeah. I think he got nominated for as well. Maybe the year before. Um, that was, no, that was oh, two I mean, years before. That was, was ninety nine. Yeah, it was ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Um. Either way, so that's Oscars. Christopher Walken does great. Um. But he uh gets into hot water because he ain't paying his taxes. Um, why would he? Um, so they have to like move. Inclined to agree with you. <laughs> as far Fair as a return enough. on investment these days, sure. taxes pretty low for sure. Um, but then so they have to like uh, move to a smaller home, and uh, Frank Jr. has to go to a, a, a public school where he pretends to be the yeah. substitute teacher for a yeah. French class again. Like it's a, it's just like. You know, he's just like he wants to climb up in the world. He's been taught. He's been taught he needs to churn butter out of cream. He's been taught that he rise needs... and grind mentality. Yeah, it's the American dream. It is true. It is get that the... bag, make that bread. The true grind mentality has been like, and and that's where he's at. Um, yeah, I mean, his dad too. Like, just from the little bits of the little snippets you get, he seems like he's just like every business as, operates the way that he operates now like legitimately though of like yeah. just like you know moving money around just not paying your taxes as long as you can and like just you know just kind of oh well i just started this other company to get a ppp loan that i'm really going to funnel over here to pay off the debts of this company mm -hmm. you know that's like you know now it's just celebrated it's totally fine yeah it's so gross um hate it don't love it. Um, Frank Jr. comes home to find that his mom is cheating on their dad uh, with mm -hmm. a friend of his dad's. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say uh, Paula Abagnale, uh, played by the actor uh, Natalie Bay. Um, and so they end up getting divorced. And there's this, like, again, just the way that the scene is just, like, shot and edited is really beautiful. It's the scene where they're, like, at the divorce proceedings, and they're like asking. Yeah, not even Frank. proceedings. There's just like yeah, an attorney yeah, just, telling yeah, him yeah. to pick which parent he wants to live with. And it's just like this, like Awful. zooming, like close up, like on his face in this like room with them, and like cutting back to like what's clearly gonna happen next of him just like running away on the streets, just yeah. like and just I just, just write a name on the line, just do it. Yeah, and that's just, what they keep saying. This lawyer, because he comes in, and he thinks the lawyer's somebody else that is sleeping with his mom yeah and he's like relax my name's john hamilton like he just is some <laughs> dude you're like what who um, yeah and then he runs out but then yeah so he's very fast just on like, the street and yeah his dad got him this like whole book of like uh personal checks and he's like well this is all i got what am i gonna do and then yeah he starts uh, he pretty much from jump, he just like, he's like trying to like pull the, he tried to pull this trick that like his dad pulled of like, oh, did you drop your necklace? Here's your necklace. Now will you help mm -hmm. me out with this bank loan? Um, he tries it, fails immediately. <laughs> I love it. Like he goes down. Yeah, he the, the first necklace. time. Yeah. The first yeah. time he goes down. I think it's like the same Thumbs shot. Comes up and the bank manager's yeah, there. It's, yeah. It's, it's good. Very well done. Um, 
spot. Well, we also saw. I did write this down. Uh, you for a second, his his mom's French. Yes. We and, and uh, his grandma is in that one scene. And a what is what is something I never really noticed that Spielberg almost always does is there's no subtitles for the French, just like in sure. West Side Story. He like never subtitles other. Uh, no, or very rarely. You I know? think he's, Love that. again. I think for for someone who's like labeled as this like oh like he like makes these like. I feel like the word hokey can sometimes be thrown at him a lot. I think he's someone who, sure. like, but I think he's someone who really trusts the audience. Like, he really, yeah. and I think he's, like, a confident enough filmmaker that he's, like, I'm giving you all the tools you need. I am, like, the way that I'm using visual storytelling and the way that the screenplay's been crafted and the way that the actors are delivering their lines, you have, I am giving you the tools to, like, intuit what is happening in this story so yeah i think that's i trust I, my audience to trust me enough yes that i don't have to hold their hand all the time yeah and yeah, it it makes for a, it makes for a rewarding watch honestly um he gets mm-hmm. to this point where i forget how he becomes a pilot i think he's like uh, well he first says like because he first is just a kid and i think he sees no later he sees a mannequin in the yeah in the store window at the end um he just like sees a pilot or something oh, maybe he, and like I, I think he's a yeah he sees that a pilot is like able to like pay with a like a certain kind of check or like they're able to get a check easier from the bank and he sees some ladies hanging on his arm yeah well and, I, and i'll say uh alluding to sort of what we're gonna get later in the musical like yes yes frank Abagnale jr like ogles women and he's like clearly like a horny young boy i think they play he's up 16 years they, old he is he is 16 years old he's he's putting that boner up in the waistband of his underwear like i like <laughs> six to midnight yes yes exactly um i feel like they play up the sort of the musical yeah, yeah you could say they play it up good <laughs> lord it's like the horniest musical in years, and it doesn't feel. And we'll get there more. I don't want to talk about it too much, but it just doesn't. It's too a detriment. It's not like it doesn't feel like they're like, wow, what a horn dog this guy is. It's like no. the musical is horny. The yes. people who wrote it are horny. You know, yes. they they needed to. Yeah, they were just too. They were too, too horned horny. up. They were too horny. They were too. Which is, I I I would I hate to say that. I feel like that's such a terrible thing to say these days. That something's too horny. But I think no, because everything's prude and boring now. I'm not saying like we should have. There's like no kissing in movies anymore, <laughs> yes. let alone fucking. But like, like I, I would say, like Catch Me If You Can is the rare musical that I would say, yeah, fuck it, come bring it down a bit. Like truly, good <laughs> lord. <laughs> or like you got to do like you got to give us a character that's interesting. That's horny. You know what I mean? Yes, like exactly. you're just throwing these women, like set dressing and objects at us. Literally. And, like, you're like, horny. You know, I mean, truly like, yes, even the little bits that this movie, ha- the movie has that are horny are like, I don't know. I feel like the characters are still there's, it's a very interesting it's character warranted. moment that develops Absolutely. into that. Yes. yes. Um, he, either way, he becomes a, uh, airline impersonates rather than airline pilots. For uh, Pan Pan Am, uh, the now defunct Pan American Airways, um, 
Everyone loves to use Pan. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It was a very popular yeah. airline. It was the, the big one, turn or mid-century, you know? It was, yeah. And its iconography is so good. Exactly. Like, its branding and is this, awesome. And the music that happens around here, it's the, like, da, 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 It's just, like, again, it's just, like, such an atypical Williams score. But it's mm -hmm. just like, again, like it just like brings you right into the mood, right into this scheming little moods. That, jet that set in life. Jet set in life. Machiavellian <laughs> little idea. I love how he soaks the model airplanes in the bathtub and peels the sticker off yes. to use as the label on the check. Mm -hmm. uh, all of his fraud techniques are cool. Exactly. Um, and yeah, like, can't do so, him now. Too much stuff, but yeah, it was cool. Exactly. Then. <laughs> yeah, he like way uh, easier to do check fraud in 1965 than now. Apparently, partially yeah. because of Frank Abagnale Jr. I exactly. guess. Exactly. Yeah, he made it harder Wild. for the rest of us. <laughs> not so yeah, he gets on a plane. We're not, he finds we're not endorsing can... check fraud. Moving the musical is not endorsed. I, I say, do what you want, man. <laughs> I am. Don't pay your taxes stand. and maybe write a bad check or two. Who cares? <laughs> we cannot say this. <laughs> it's we don't... burning down, baby. You're lucky we're an independent podcast, <laughs> Brian. We're not beholden to any ad salesmen or anything <laughs> like that. Um. So yeah, he finds out he can fly also because he can because what's the whole reason he goes to the airport in the first place is because they'll cash they'll give him more money yes. if he cashes it at Pan Am he can get three hundred bucks per check yes um for a payroll check and then they're like are you my are you my deadhead and he gets on board mm -hmm. and lo and behold Ellen Pompeo Meredith Gray herself <laughs> they're, <laughs> the they're actually, attendant they're actually there are so many weird little cameos I know yeah, little, I mean, not like, cameos little, but, yeah let's say that just like very astute early, early career yeah. like yeah elizabeth banks shows up working at yep. the bank um obviously you get like amy at baby amy adams baby adams baby adams later as brenda mm -hmm. as brenda um who is just like brilliant from jump in this role honestly and jennifer garner jennifer garner as the jennifer garner girl. as the yep. sex worker yeah yeah um, i love that scene it's I, a very the, good scene. Yeah, the like. I oh, think he makes four hundred dollars and gets to have sex with Jennifer Garner. It's pretty great. What a what a time. Good deal. This was before Jennifer Garner was just doing commercials for whatever reason. <laughs> I feel like yeah, she's, totally. she's a, and she's a very That's good. All she does, and it sucks because she's a very good actor, Jennifer yeah. Garner. It's not like yeah, like she. She can like carry a movie, like whatever. I hate Hollywood. <laughs> I, hate I mean, Hollywood. that might be her choice too, or her age. Yeah, maybe. maybe. She's like, just I don't the, know. I, she's like, I don't want to do anything that takes more than one day of shooting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I better get at least forty grand for that day. You That's know? true. Okay, more, goodbye. More than fourteen hundred dollars. Don't give me a check. Um, is, but then by this time, give it to me in gold, please. By this time, call Hanratty. Uh, uh, FBI agent Carl Hanratty has caught on to this scheme. He's played by Tom Hanks. He, again, this is, I feel like, one of the first, like, old, not old man, but, like, middle-aged Tom Hanks sure. performances. And he's, and he, the, whatever weird New England accent yeah. he's doing. <laughs> works, it's good. It, it's oh, funny. it works. I um, feel like he just came up with the goofiest way to say his own last name, and that's that was, he's like, there it is. Yeah. Handready. Handready. <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, that's the voice. That's Which the voice. Which normally butts kind of brings to the stage-ish. I mean, we'll talk about that later. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think I think he's good. I think it's a really interesting character. Again, like a character who, 
like, works so hard at his job because his personal life has just, like, been lost. So, like, this is mm-hmm. all that he's really invested. It's like, right? It's like... I mean, like, both him and Frank Jr., right? These are two characters whose families, family lives have been stripped away from them. Um, yeah. And so they are sort of running parallel with each other. Um, one breaking all the rules and one following everything by the book. A dad without a kid and a kid without a dad. Yeah, and Spielberg's just gonna throw them together. Uh, but yeah, it's this scheme where, like, the Frank's been, like, changing the numbers at the bottom of, like... Um, the routing numbers. Yeah, the yeah. routing numbers, and so, like, it's, like, they, people don't, can't find, like, the faulty checks until, like, weeks later, and by that time, he's, like, in another part of the country, like, with a different name. He's given a given a presentation, and these these all these FBI guys are just yucking it up. Yeah, he's Do, they're he's, all doing their like type five about about checking <laughs> accounts. <laughs> One of them's like, you know, you should really talk to my wife here. And they're like, woo, you know, like, okay, buddy, great. Um, Although it's probably like pretty close to accurate of what like a usual FBI meeting. It's goes true. Like, yeah, they I probably don't guess. give a shit. I mean, They're yeah, like, they, what they... a checking like what's a routing number, <laughs> dude? What's a Facebook? Yeah, exactly. They don't oh, know what Lord. the fuck's going on. Um, but eventually they are able to track him down uh, to Florida, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the the guy at, like the front desk is like, "All right, well, I don't want you messing with my customers." And they're like, "Wait, he's here." And I love, I mean, I love this scene where, this like... This scene is so good. You know, where uh, Hanratty, like, tracks down the hotel room and he busts in and he's, like, looking around and then Frank comes out of the, the bathroom and he's like, oh, yeah, I know. I, I, I couldn't find anything. We, we got here too. He's like, you're late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Barry Allen, Secret Service agent, which obviously we find out later. Barry Allen is uh, an identity of The Flash. The famous mm-hmm. comic book hero, The Flash, um, yep. which is obviously a key to be like, oh, he's a kid. Uh, but yeah, it's just a great scene. It's like, hey, you want my wallet? Hey, you want my gun too? And again, just like Carl Hanratty is just like so frazzled. So just like in the moment that he's just like not perceiving like anything <laughs> well at all. Yeah. And, 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 he and, kinda, and lo- he's kind of like, I don't know. I think you're fooling me. But then he just like, I think he's so worried that he's going to have to use his gun or something. Yeah. And he has... The masterful move that uh, Frank pulls is like his friend is escorting a blind man outside (laughs) to his car and he yells his name at him and he's like, yeah. And he's like, that's the guy. He's right there. We got him already. You know, pretty good. Pretty good thinking. Yeah. And like, and like, because like, I think Murph is the other guy's name. Murph has to like help the blind guy get into the car. It looks like a cop putting like, yeah, Yeah, it's awesome. It's very, it's very clever. It's yeah. It's funny. Like Spielberg knows how to, he gives him his wallet and just like trust, you know, he says like, I trust you with that. And then he opens it up and it's just full of labels. Yeah. Just labels. Cause that's just like a habit that he has is like peeling labels off of stuff. Yes. We also Uh, went, I, I I love I, I like love Hanratty's joke. They're like, oh, you want me to tell the joke when they're yeah. sitting in the car? Knock knock. Who's like, there? Knock knock. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Good joke, Hanratty. Good joke. He's got a good. Pretty sense funny. <laughs> I know. Um, that and yeah. Uh, the, Christopher Walken sort of keeps popping up here and there, like uh, and like. Uh, Frank Jr. keeps writing letters back up again because it's like he's like gone off in this like new life trying to just like outrun all of his responsibilities just like outrun 
anything that'll pin him down to like coming to face the fact that his family is broken. Like, I mean, that's sort of skipping ahead. Like, that's the moment where he gives himself up, right? Is when he arrives at his mom's home and the mom has a new husband and there's a new kid there. And he's like, my, my like, there is no going back to the life that I've been running yeah. away from. Um, because that's what he just like is, is spending the whole movie doing. But like, he does like run into his dad every now and then. He has the dad keeps like having that line of like, um, the, the where are you Yan- flying today? Well, oh, well, and the, the Yankees and the, the pinstripes. Yankee, the, yeah, the Yankees line. He's like, yeah, the Yankees only win because no one take their eyes off the stripes. Um, I, I forget who it is. I think it's Handwriting who's like, no, the Yankees win because they have Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because that's, that's what Leo says at the beginning too. His dad says like. He's like, why do the Yankees win every game? And, and Leo's like, because they have Mickey Mantle. And his yeah. dad's like, no, because they're too busy looking at the pinstripes. And yeah. then he's like, no, because they have Mickey Mantle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good bit. Good bit. Um, and then, yeah, just like the, and then again, like, what is so good about a Spielberg movie is that he is one of the few American filmmakers to make a movie that is both wildly entertaining. And extremely emotionally cathartic. Like, yes. that is, like, he's able to, like, thread that needle so beautifully. And for me, that moment hit kicks in when, uh, like, they're on the phone and it's Christmas Eve and Hanratty is the only one uh, in working in the office because um, that's the kind of guy he is. And he's on the phone with Frank Jr. Still, I think he still thinks he's Barry Allen. Um, and, like, Barry Allen, Frank's, like, teasing him. And then Hanratty's like, Oh, you're calling me because you have no one else to call. You don't have it, anybody else. Yes. Yeah. And he laughs in his face and then Leo hangs up the phone. And it's like, that's the movie. Like, that's where you get it. Yeah. Like that. And it's just like the way. And that, I think I think this is like around the halfway point of the movie. Right. Like, I think that's yeah. when that moment happens. It's just so well done. And it just it's so ingeniously plotted. Like, you get to that moment without even thinking about it. And then it's just like, oh shit, you're right. He does have no one to call. And this is like... Well, and it's interesting too, because like Hanks is like framed in that big empty office with one light on his desk is the only light on, you know? And he also has Mm -hmm. nobody else. And like how there's these two sides of the same coin of like one that's, that's, you know, clearly not. And I think the movie, this movie points this out several times of like, uh, clearly not rewarded from following the rules and being yes. a, like a fed and doing everything right. And yet like gets laughed at and embarrassed and is alone all the time. And it juxtaposes that with like, you know, him writing a bunch of bad checks and having a briefcase full of cash and like, you know, eight women on his arms and hanging out at a crazy party in Georgia. Yeah. And, and just, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. It's a cool duopoly of characters <laughs> in this, in this film. It's, it's it is a duopoly it's a good it's a good duopoly um mm-hmm. so at this point frank's like fine i'll be a doctor i guess um and he works as like a essentially like a babysitter to the nurses at this hospital uh in in are they in georgia i think yes is that at this point yes and this is where he emergency meets. room manager yeah. Yeah, and this is where he meets Brenda, played by the aforementioned Amy Baby Adams. Adams. Baby Adams, uh, with braces, very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, they fall, they fall in love, and I think he gets to this. Why? why? 
I think he just he does like genuinely like feel bad for her, and I think he genuinely does like love her a bit. I think so too. Yeah, like, it's one of the yeah. only like decisions in the. And again, this is the thing, like, and it's alluded to both in the movie and the stage show, where it's like, so he's changed his name now to Frank Connors, um, and mm. that's his name, and like now he's like this is his mark. He can't change his name now. Like he's set yeah. up himself as a doctor in Georgia, but now he's got to keep that name because that's who Brenda met him at. Um, yeah, and the combo of having to keep the name and also that he mentioned the Yankees, so they knew that he had to um, be from New York. Who yes. was like, well, he mentioned the Yankees in this conversation, uh, is how they go and fi- meet his mom mm-hmm. and uh, find a picture of him in the yearbook. And this is like gets them closer. I love the two. I mean, then it's in the musical as well. But the, uh, oh, well, what does he, you know, what does he owe? I'll pay you. I work part time at the church now. I can pay you a check for it. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, one and a half million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and they leave. It's true. Uh, and then, so they get engaged, and then uh, we go back to... Uh, are we still in Georgia for this whole thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, they're well, in Well, they go to Louisiana for her family. Well, right, yes. And, of course, the dad is played by Martin Sheen, uh, who is able to be fourth build in this movie. Good for you. Um, kind of wild. I mean, right? Like, I don't know this, who else is, but okay. Like, this is like peak West Wing, I guess. I don't know. I guess like, so, yeah. Like, that kind of makes sense. Um, but yes. Um, and he's like, you're not an attorney. And yeah, so this is where he is like, I want to be an attorney. And this is where he he takes the bar exam and he passes it. Um, and it is wild. He just like, and then like, I love the scene of him like watching some like TV show. I think it's either a TV show or a movie like about a lawyer. And then he like oh, repeats yeah. like all the dialogue verbatim. And it's like, uh, Mr. Connors, there is no defendant. <laughs> There is no jury. There's only me. This is a preliminary hearing. What the yes. hell's wrong with you, son? Yes. Again, he's. I mean, he's a show. I mean, he's a showman, which is an idea that the musical takes and runs with and trips on its Sprints. face with. Yes. Um. And then yeah, I like he, the scene where he's with her family, and you know, he. Well, I mean, there's a funny thing of like. Okay, ask me the question you came here to ask me. And he's like, how do I get in? How do I pass the bar exam in Louisiana? And he's like, no, the other one. Uh, yes. About asking to marry my yes, daughter. Yes. Uh, I think that's a funny joke. Um, but I was going to say, I like the scene where they're like, oh, now we're going to watch Mitch. And they're watching like some sh- some inscrutable, ridiculous 1960s yes. television program about being Irish, I guess. Uh, very strange. Um, but just like you see sort of, him feeling like he has a family again, finally. And then he sees um, Brenda, the strong parents, like dancing. And it's even yeah. to the same recording of Embraceable You that his parents are dancing to at the beginning of sure, the movie. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, feeling, I think, you know, I think that's why he, right after this, gives, uh, well, he goes and sees his dad again. And then you get this, like, in the bar whenever he's now a postal worker. Yeah. And, um, and you know, he sort of realizes that he can never go home again. Yeah. Um, and then this is, like, another, this is maybe the second time that he calls Hanratty on Christmas. Yeah. And says, like, I want to be done, you know. Like, let's just call yeah. a truce. We don't need to do this. I'll stop. And he's like, you can't stop. He's yeah. like, no, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, but yeah, the, the goose is given away because he like, they, they're like, you got to find out that like, uh, I think they, I, f- I forget if it's Well, he da- says on yeah. the phone, I'm engaged. Yes. So like, leave so me alone. Th- so then they like 
find the wedding announcements in Louisiana and figure yeah. out. I think they show that up. He must at, be Frank yeah. Connors. They show him at, at the, the engagement, engagement party. party. Yeah. Um, the dad doesn't show up because he's just like, it's like I, I've been married. Like, don't get married. What are you doing? Like, this isn't like this isn't like what the life that you're trying to lead. Marriage is not part of that. So what are you doing? Yeah. Um. It's sad. It's sad. It's just, and I think that's like what that's the final like moment they have. The final scene they have together. I believe yeah. uh, it's sad. Uh, but the cops show up at the engagement party. He ducks out. He's like, Brenda, meet me at the Miami airport in two days. Um, Has so much cash with him. Two two giant duffel bags or yes. briefcases of cash. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so then this is where the musical is just like, and then we'll end. Because I get it. Because yeah. there's. <laughs> But it, like, They're like so, we don't care about the rest of his life, which was a lot apparently. But in like this so movie. much else happens. Yeah, he like fakes. He holds like a fake like uh, recruiting drive. I believe that that was as horny as the musical already was. There was already a nurse number and like a go go girls number. Uh, I can't believe they. Yeah. They, I oh, I guess they have it right there. They have a flight attendant number there, but, but I couldn't like believe they didn't one. have like yeah. another one. That's where it should have gone was the like college girls auditioning for flight attendant school. Um, and then, the, yeah, you get yeah. you get him, the the like what I feel like was the poster shot. Are a of, lot of him walking. Yeah. Like him with walking with the, the girls. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. They get out of a cool stretch cab like a yeah. 60s. That has like so many doors. It's got like eight doors. There's so many doors on that. So, cab. yeah, he's cool, able cool to cab. he's able to deceive. He's able to like use this sort of like it was like hide yeah. in the gaggle. Because well, all the feds are so horny that they're just like, oh, <laughs> and he also pays a guy to, to like, dress up as him. Yeah. To dress yes. up as a pilot and stand, stand at or uh, sit in his car outside of the airport. And then they yes. come over and. And he's like, I'm supposed to pick up somebody. And he holds up the sign the that says, says Hanratty. Yeah, which is very so funny. Another major embarrassment for and poor you're, Carl you're this Hanratty. amazing shot where you like you have Hanratty and then just the camera goes up and there's like the, a plane flying off and obviously the indication yeah, it's he's awesome. on that plane. Great. Um, then they find, they track him down to France because I think there's like something yeah, on well, the Yeah, they flash jet. forward. Yeah, they, we, we flash forward a bit and there's got like, you know, he's like all over South America and then he's like all over Europe and Hanratty figures out he's like, well, he's kind of in a circle. You know, yeah. he's circling also, back, so it I must be somewhere. I think it's also like the, the way that the check is like laminated. It's like it yeah, has he to talks be this, to those old so, those old check guys. It's like it has to be this kind Not of machine -E -C -H, that made it. Yeah. Check as in C-H-E-C-K, yeah. not Czechoslovakia. <laughs> there you go. Um, they get him. Maybe they're Czech-Czech guys. They track know. him down. They send him, some, they send him to prison. And then, yes, it's this like, nice little slow thing of like every now and then they'll be like, hey, Frank, so we got this check that showed up. Uh, can you tell us? I'm forgetting he also climbs through the toilet oh, of yeah. an airplane oh, yeah. and Fucking then runs God. on the tarmac. <laughs> before they so, catch him yes. and then he runs home that's when he runs to his mom's house which from right, LaGuardia yes. to like the Bron Bronxville New York <laughs> so uh, dozens of miles in the snow uh, it is wild I will say it kid. is wild that he literally unscrews a toy an airplane toilet <laughs> and climbs into it it's like, uh, it's like, I, feel oh, like I don't know if yeah. that one's even in the book I, re I really don't I've never read the book maybe it is if it is Come on, man. Come but, on, Frank. Uh, but yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. then that's when he uh, that's when he like goes to the mom's Finally home. Gets, he mm -hmm. sees this young girl. And he's like, "Yep, okay. I, there's nothing. I'm. What am I running from? I'm like the yeah. thing I'm running from doesn't even exist anymore. It's gone. I'm done. 
I'm turning myself in. And then, yeah, then this is the moment where uh, Hanratty's like, yes, we got some checks. Can you, like, can you let us know if they've been, like, fought? And, like, he starts to, like, help them out. And they're like, all right, well, you can work for us instead of going to prison. And then, yep. and then you have this moment where, like, I think Hanratty, like, has to go away somewhere for the weekend. And they're like, I'll, or, like, we'll trust, like, I'm going to trust you that you'll be here at work on Monday. Well, yeah, and he confronts him in the air because he sees him dressed oh, as a yeah, he pilot a in pilot, the airport. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, you know, I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to arrest you right now. But, you know, you better show up on Monday. And again, he's like, and look. He he's, does. Like, he's, li- he's very late. He's he very late, up. but he shows up. And yeah, no, he has that moment in the airport where he's just like, Frank, no one's chasing Nobody's you. chasing you anymore. You yeah. Know? Like, you can go if you want to, but no one's chasing you. I also sh- really like there's this cool visual, like, like visual motif that I hadn't really ever noticed until this watch of there's so many times there's a shot of a door with his name on it or one of his names on it. Sure. Or like, or like a a sign. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there's like this, I think the first one I remember noticing really is the shot of when he's a doctor, it says like Dr. Frank Connors and moves into his doctor's office and he's like, doing well he's typing on a typewriter and it looks like he's typing up fake checks for himself which he probably is <laughs> yeah uh, and uh and then later whenever he has to go into the er uh for like an actual emergency he then goes and pukes in the janitor's closet after he sees like blood and stuff and the door the shot lingers long enough for like the door to swing back closed and it says janitor's closet and, like a very mimicking shot and then uh, it does a really similar one when he goes to jail finally and the door yeah. locks and you see like it close and latch. And then yeah. at the end, like mimicking that shot, whenever he's working for the FBI, it closes on his door and it says like check fraud, Frank yeah. Abagnale Jr. I don't know. It's just a really cool like like visual comment on like the labels that he's given himself and that other yeah. people have given him and the like boxes he's getting put into. I don't know. It's cool. Cool it stuff. It's cool. It's cool stuff. It's good stuff. Steve and Spielberg. Then- and then the movie ends with, yeah, the how did you, but tell me how you uh, passed the bar exam. And he's like, I studied. I studied for I studied. two weeks and I got in. And, but, then it's, but then even more so, he's like, is that really what you did? And then Frank's just like, yeah, so if you look at this right here. And he's like, yeah, he's he just never like, really confirms. Yeah. Um, great movie. Good movie. Like, Good movie. I also saw a cool Easter egg this time. Whenever, yeah. At one point, whenever he is, oh, it's, that's what it is. It's whenever... He's late to come back. It was at the very end. Uh, and uh, Hanratty's giving some presentation on a chalkboard. At the bottom of the chalkboard, it written onto the chalkboard, says Stephen and Tom's fourth project. Because oh, that's it's Steven cute. Spielberg and Tom Hanks' fourth movie together. Oh, that that's... is cute. Oh, that's very cute. Um, this movie cost $52 million to make, um, something that you just don't Not see so bad. anymore. A mainstream, movies are never made a, for that A mainstream film made for $50 million, which is why, because the movie made $352 wow. million. Like, it is a certified Huge hit, hit, which is just something you don't see anymore. A $50 million no adult that drama kind of uh that makes like so much like so much of its money back pg-13 surely uh, not r i probably like a hard pg-13 or like a soft r i would say i'm not sure what the what the Let's rating see what is it's rated if you can mpaa Come on, internet. You can move quicker than that. It was rated PG-13. Yes, exactly. Yep. So, 
Um, yeah, good, good movie. You should see it if you haven't seen it. Um, is you should catch it if you, if can. you can. There you go. Um, and in and so it's wild because they started workshopping this musical in 2005. So this thing was like on the burner for a hot. Like the movie came out and clearly. Like either maybe it was the maybe it was DreamWorks maybe it was like the rights holders or maybe it was McNally, Shaman, and Whitman who were just like yeah let's sure. turn it into a musical like it's hard to say sort of like where the idea germinated from uh, but it happened and they made it into a musical and it opened in 2011 and bombed uh, like mm-hmm. really like opened in April closed in September just like uh, well I'll look up Tony's in a second but it is. I mean, Brian, while I look, just, like, have Tony's stuff pull, pull that up, can you... Why don't we start to think of... Uh, bingo topics? Bingo topics. Oh, okay. I, I got a couple written down. So, yeah, you got um, some written down? Hell your yeah. Your bingo card would be uh, me saying too long, which, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, gonna get that one, this musical. Too long! Um, uh, flattening out characters yes, or making I, them problematic I, I or well i think there's two i think there's two there's the broadway flat oh, okay. that i like to call the it the broadway flat great which i think is just like taking which i think is more th- it's taking like a character or taking the theme of a character and just making it as flat as possible yes so for example the lesbian character in legally blonde you sure. take that character and you just make her character all about her being a lesbian i think yeah. that's so like it's that's that. And then I think there is just the generic, the musical is more racist and or sexist <laughs> than somehow. the is somehow more uh, racist, sexist. Lines um, or sayings that are inexplicably altered from the original. Yes, inexplicably. This one has a couple. Inexplicable, yeah. yeah, line changes. Different line changes. And then I'm also going to say, uh, completely verbatim scenes. <laughs> just scenes <laughs> yeah. where it's just yeah. like... Because both are a problem. Well, or, and, or as we like to call it, the old copy-paste. The old copy-paste, yes. Uh, uh, yes, both yeah, are this musical, this musical leads up, lives up to all these um, and really more. dumb framing <laughs> device. You could say that as a category. I don't know. We don't really... That doesn't really come up as but much. It, yeah, but sometimes... This one has one, so... This one does have one. Yeah, what's up with this contrivance? So the, so the big difference for the movie Yeah, because like, I think this is... I mean, yeah, I would say... And, like, again, this is one of those situations where I understand the mental math of what was happening. They were like, okay... We are taking this story, this movie, Catch Me If You Can, and we are musicalizing it. So I guess they were like, okay, so we want to... This is a show. This is a stage show. We have an audience. We Let's, let's get rid of that, that, that fourth wall and uh, let's figure this out. So I understand being like he's a showman. He wants sure. to tell his story in live and living color, which is the name of the opening uh, number. Nonsensical. Yes. I mean, I guess not. I guess it could be filmed live or like airing live. But also, and like, and again, color. like, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, this pack, this film, this film, this stage show is filled to the brim with pastiche musical theater numbers. And, sure. but like, a lot of it rings more like. 50s than 60s a hundred percent like that's the weird thing i'm just like yeah. this is a 60s music and like the tone of the movie and like again like it's always one of these things where it's like 
or even like changing the name of the stage show maybe honestly would have fixed a lot of these issues if you're just like willing to say that this is a different entity from the movie but like you're clearly not it's so indebted to the movie well, I mean, the only way it was going to make money is because people recognized yeah, it. Yeah, but also it didn't, fucking didn't make money, so... Yeah, because it sucked. But I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I understand what you're saying, but like, they they were never... There's never a world in which they were going to call it anything else. It's not... I'm pretty sure the book is called Catch Me If You Can. The too, book, yeah, so yeah. Like, it's the the whole lineage of this thing is Catch Me If You Can. Um, it's, it's in its bones. Um, but yeah, so that's so that's the... I mean, that's what it is. That's what they wanted to call it um and that's the device that they went with the framing device that they went with so like you'll have songs that are like uh frank will introduce them he'll be like ladies and gentlemen my father frank abagnale senior singing this song you're about to forget um and stuff like that but then like you'll Uh, have featuring brenda strong and mr and mrs strong yeah but then you'll just have like christmas is my favorite time of year which is just a song that they sing like yeah it's, it's, it's just feels so half-assed because i would like i had like forgotten about it like listening to it for a while and then it comes back in he'll just introduce a scene that way and you're like okay whatever <laughs> you know or it's like there's a fake like they're like he's like this is my story and he's like no i interviewed your parents i'm gonna tell this part and you're like okay man like, okay like, just like a do- christmas pageant what's going on dude i know and it's just like so again like it's such a tonal a jarring tonal shift from what the movie is, which again is fine, but you, you again, you gotta pick a lane. You can't both be a Catch Me If You You Can musical and also try to impose your own tone and style on the thing. I think you gotta pick a lane. Yeah, and this thing is like about as subtle as a fucking wrecking ball, too, <laughs> in a bunch of moments. Like, what's the first? Like, whenever he has the realization that he can be a substitute teacher, it's like. There's like a musical sting and the whole yeah. stage goes black and a spotlight on him. Turn to the audience like, like it yeah. feels like it's so goofy. It feels I like know. something farcical, like thoroughly modern Millie or something that's like leaning into that, like sort of not camp really, but leaning into that, like, you know, winky nod to the camera stuff. But this, this is just, like I said, it's just so inconsistent. I know. And again, like it's and like, sorry to the ghost of Terrence McNally, the recently, pa- the semi recently paused Terrence McNally, but your book just isn't good here. My guy, like, uh-uh. again, it's just, it's really not well done. And again, it's just inconsistent with the, fr- the framing device that y'all wrote in. Like, yes, it's, <laughs> you put that, that there. You made this. You you have to stay true to your framing device, my friends. Um, Silly. I will say, um, gotta hand it to the Tony Awards committee. Um, Catch Me If You Can did not get a lot of nominations. It got four nominations. Tveit, I bet, was one of them. What? No, Tveit was not. Was no. Wow. MBL? No? I think. NLB. He was an Aaron. I mean, yeah, NLB. Yes. He yeah, wasn't to Tve- Aaron Tveit wasn't that. Yes. Here's the thing. Brian, uh. Brian Norbalia Butts was nominated in the, for the Tony Award for Best Performance by a leading actor in a musical. He was in the leading category for, for this show. For Hanratty. And not only was he nominated, 
He won. Oh boy. He won his second. It's it's like it's category awards. fraud and not a good performance. <laughs> well, so it's okay. both a bad so, performance and a set and it's a supporting role. So it won so just to say it was also not it won actor and it was nominated for musical, sound design, and orchestrations. So they were just like, wow, this thing can sing. That's it. Um that this we was still love Norbert Leo Butts. Now this was the Book of Mormon year. Okay. Um, so the other nominees it were, won everything. Yes, yeah, so the Book of Mormon won a bunch, and the, the nominees for Best Musical were Book of Mormon and Cash Me If You Can, The Scottsboro Boys, and okay, another future musical, Sister Act. Another one hey. we'll talk about on this show soon, um, which I actually saw recently, which I'll be excited to talk about when we get to that episode. Um, but so like if we're looking in like the categories for like book and original score because it's like oh yeah this is an original musical why the fuck did they not nominate it uh for those not those categories so book so yeah so the other three musical nominees book of mormon scottsboro boys and sister act all were nominated for book and score in those respective categories Mm -hmm. but in the best book category um catch me if you can was snubbed by bloody bloody andrew jackson Oh man! Which I think Alex Timbers deserved that. Yeah, and then another I think deserved nomination that snubbed it in the score category was David Yazbek for "Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown." Sure, not familiar, but I believe you. It's a very good score, and I'm excited when I think hopefully soon we'll be able to talk about that one. Well, if the if the pieces fall into place, I think we'll be able to talk about that one soon. But Well, it didn't have much competition because this one's not good on either front. Well, yeah, it's, it's just, got it's, some catchy songs. Well, but so I mean, say yeah, because obviously this score. is a this is a Shaman Whitman joint, um, who also similarly took the musical hairspray and completely tonally uh shifted that film yeah. uh to the stage show. Um, so I, and I'll say, Brad, I saw this, I saw this show live in living color on Broadway in 2011. Um, and I remember despising it for the longest time. I said, this was my least favorite show I'd ever seen. Wow. And this was, what superseded it? Um, is, I mean, this honestly might still be near the bottom. I don't know. Um, I think this might be it, honestly. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's that There was that musical here a few years ago called Amazing Grace about the guy who wrote the song Amazing Grace, who was a slave trader. Um, yeah. So I think that might be the new worst That probably one. could beat it out. Yeah, I think so. Just from Some that... Christian bullshit. Yeah, from yeah, that... that yeah, bad. exactly. Just from that lead, I think that's enough to beat it out. Um Yikes. But Catch Me If You Can, I just remember just being like, what is this? I'm so bored. It's just like... It's t- it's so long. It's also just like... It's the, the book scenes are so boring and long. Yes. Good Lord. And it's, but again, like they, they pick a tone... And they stay there. Like, it, I feel like it doesn't really, like... I mean, the only number, which I think... I think Norbert Leo Butts won the Tony for his number, Don't Break the Rules. Because that is... Sure. Which, like, is a very... Like, I watched before... I Yesterday and this morning, I watched, like, him performing it on, like, Letterman's show. And then watching it on the Tony Awards. And, like, it's a fun number. Like, I feel like a lot of these numbers are very fun out of context. Like, yeah. again, they're very fun, pastiche like, 
late 50s, early 60s style numbers. But like yeah. in the construction of a Catch Me If You Can musical, like it just it just really like they just run into each other. That again, another common another common problem with these yeah. with these things. Hanratty's character especially, like Yeah, ugh, they it ruin just sucks. him. It's yes. awful. He's supposed to be like such a like obviously in the film we've we've seen him be like such a stick in the mud and like sort of taciturn agent guy. And then this, he's like always, he's from the jump is like cracking wise and like just an ass, just like an, a mad asshole though. Like in the old one, he's, he's yes. like grumpy and like not fun at all, but he's not like yelling at an asshole all the time. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. In this, there's just none of that like sort of belabored world weary personality that you have in the film. And the other thing that I think the musical really robs him of is any of those moments of like, Oh, okay. Well you picked up on that. You're like actually a pretty intelligent, wise investigator. Like one of them is the, the, they eliminate the Yankees pinstripes thing from the Christmas phone call, which is how he figures out that he's from New York. Instead, nope. during that nope. act break, they're like, I searched the whole tri-state area for kids that uh, are missing. And it's like, you know, it just is like, oh my God, it's stupid. It just completely robs him of any sort of, you know, cleverness. Yeah, well, there's and, that like, moment makes, at, him, makes the, him feel like a worthy adversary. There's that moment at the end where they have the whole, like, how did you pass the bar, the bar exam line? And he like says, like, I studied. And then he's like, oh, I hate this guy. It's like, no, you're the whole. You're supposed to be impressed by this guy. Yeah, it's stupid. The whole dynamic is just thrown off. Um, yeah, I'm just like looking at my notes. Um, yeah, just they they completely fuck up. Uh, just the diegesis of the songs. They just like the whole LA motel scene is just like again just verbatim from the thing. Just everything. Like they try to like again. Yeah. It's a thing that they do with. But, bre- but once again, like yeah, Hanrider's reaction in that hotel scene is ridiculous. Like he's it's he's just all over the top, and he's like, oh, I love this guy. <laughs> you know, it's not like. Like, I don't know. There's there, It just deflates any sort of tension very, very fast. Absolutely. They I do. Mean, and it, over and over again, just like pfft, air out of the balloon. You know? Air out of the balloon. You can catch that balloon pretty quickly because uh, it's got no air in it. Um, they do the thing that they love to do in these, these uh, screen to stage adaptations where they take the character of Brenda, who is lovingly played in the film by Amy Adams, lovingly played in the original Broadway show by Carrie Butler, um... And they both try to make her a bigger character and also give her nothing substantial at all. Uh, it, when she sings that song, that like torch song at the end of the show, fly, I was like, this away. is the most unearned bullshit in yeah, the like, world. What, and like, what why? have you done in the movie? Not like, I'm. Mean, this is obviously not on Carrie Butler, but like, what is this character? What have you done? What has happened? What have we learned? Or like, why am I invested in you at all? Except for Aaron Tveit told me I'm supposed to be. Yes. And and then even like Aaron Tveit's song, like, goodbye, goodbye to all the things. Like, okay. You're singing goodbye? What does that have to do with any... Like, you should get, like, a big, triumphant, emotional number. He needs a moment of, like, you know, of, like, a moment of singing about, like, being alone or, like, even having a moment of, like, with her. I can't believe they don't... Forgive me if I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong, but do they have, like, some duet where we fall in love with them as a couple? Okay, we just don't fall in love with them as a couple. Yeah, it's called... It does exist. It's called Seven Wonders, and it, like, goes from one ear out the other. Oh, yeah, (laughs) whatever. That's right. That did happen. Um, 
But I, that's you know, what I'll not, say. Yeah. I got I got seven wonders for you right here, buddy. Um, that, yeah, that's this the is, moment. This is why we need a guest. Yeah, this is why we need a guest. Somebody to push back on us. Um, but that's like that seven that seven seven wonders number. It has nothing to do with the fact of like the bigger themes in this show of him being abandoned and not having a, a family. You know what I mean? Like sure. we talked about with the movie, and like that should be more of a focus on that on that in that moment. If like because the show is unconcerned with women as a whole, uh, uh, like you know, I would say on the whole, it's really only concerned no. with. I mean, again, Frank like Abagnale. And uh, hand handwriting, ratty. yeah. The, and again, the women are like just Brenda, as... his mom, and Mrs. Strong, and they're all just like other than Brenda, who has a, a duet and a solo. The mom just like literally just dances on and does a French accent, and then like. But then yeah, then all the other women are used as like set dressing in these other yeah. numbers. Again, it's like completely playing up for no good reason. Just this like yeah, he he's a, he, he's horned up. We're all horned up, aren't you, horny everyone? Why is no one else horny out here? Um, but no, he like Frank should have like a being alive number. He should have yes, his big that's a great analogy. Emo- it is like he should have his big Analog. emotional <laughs> reckoning number. Like where yeah. is it? Goodbye is not it. <laughs> I'll say no. that. Well, the thing was already at like three hours, so they were like, we can't. <laughs> sure. put, we, you know, I know we're lacking this, but we can't the, cut yeah, anything else. They cut out the final anything. quarter of the movie, so yeah. like, um, and then this aim, and this ends on a wet fart of a song called "Strange but True." <laughs> like, it's it's yeah, set, like a little like elevator, like. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's the huh. song. Yeah. Huh. Um. Man, I like. I'm glad we're back. I, I like. I chose this because I one. I just want to get it out of the way. This show. Um, Fair enough. Two, because it is so indicative of what <laughs> this, uh, what our show's about. What this medium is honestly no. It is so. It's got in- some weird jokes too, man. This this one had some weird. Like what was there's like a strange dig at German women in yeah. that one line. What is that? He's like, he's like, she's like, you've been with. You've been with beautiful women all. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to talk Please. about. Speaking of Brenda. Please. So in the movie, we see them in bed and she's crying and he's like, oh, oh you yes. know, you're a virgin. It's okay. I can wait. You know, I'm not. And she's like, no, she's I had like, no. She's like, I had an abortion. Yeah. I've had an abortion and this was the story behind it. And my parents kicked me out and that's why he goes there. And then in the musical, she's like under the covers crying and stuff, too. And she's like. I was gonna, instead of that, they like, they flatten it into, I was gonna get engaged and realized I didn't like the guy, so I left him. It's and like, that's like it. And then and she's like, listen, like oh, that's I why know. I'm scared to be with a man again. You're like, what? What and a again, just it's a like, inexplicable change. And again, but again, it's like, I don't know, like, Broadway is so fucking, like, childish and con- and like yeah, more like I guess conservative in some ways than sure. movies I guess and but maybe they were worried about that but like what a substitution I know. fucking just weird. once again a moment where cuz that is a moment in the movie where you're like you get some depth of Amy Adams characters and you get like why you know I think in some way that like oh he really loves her he wants to like help her and get her back with her family. And he mm-hmm. has surely there's definitely selfish motivation of like wanting to be with a family at all there. Yeah. But in this, it's just like, there's no depth. There's just, it adds nothing to her character for that to have that story. I don't know. 
That's that's just indicative of the of the, sh- of the show to me. It that, is that kind of stuff. Again, this and yeah, so I think this is just a perfect show to be mm-hmm. like. This is what happens when you take a really marvelous and expertly crafted piece of cinema and say, "Hey, let's turn it into a musical by taking everything good out of it and just depositing <sighs> depositing it on stage in the flattest means possible." That's a bingo, my friends. That's a bingo. Uh, that's how I'll end it off. Um, there should have been like a big number where they like, I don't know. I like the one, I like the commercial break with the little. Sure, the like those are things, cute. But I wish there was yeah. like a whole, how can you not have a tap number where he's forging checks? That seems like well, the most obvious thing in the world to me. There's a montage tap number of him getting better at forging checks and using like a printing press on stage, you know? Yeah, but th- that would require like some wit. And some yeah, like right. I don't know some craft. No, we don't. Yeah, that's not what right. we're here for, Brand. Um. So usually at the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, uh, oh, dear listeners, I hadn't even thought about this. I kind of did. Um. So at the end, so listeners, if you're new here, maybe you're new here. Who knows? But if at the end of every episode of Movie new the year, Musical, New Year, New Us, New You, we end by asking usually our guest a, an important question, and that question is, uh, if you could, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose? And now, obviously, uh, we don't uh, have we don't have uh, a guest here, but uh, I think, Bran, you gave an answer last time when we were uh, guests. On Tarzan. Yes, on, on Tarzan episode, you gave an answer. So I wanted to give an answer this time. Do it. Um, and I don't think I've said this one on air. I don't think I've said this one on mic. And I want to say this again. We brought up the movie Don't Look Up because Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. Um, mm-hmm. And that is directed by Adam McKay, who I, could, mm-hmm. who I could talk about for years. I have so much to say about the director Adam McKay, about mm-hmm. his one of the most, the strangest careers the director has ever had. Truly. I think. Um, someone who, as he has earnestly tried to become a more serious filmmaker, has actively started making worse movies. It is one of the most fascinating things. Um, so for my choice for what movie, and, uh, a previous guest, Nina Starner, who I'm sure we'll have back soon, um, gave Mm -hmm. a previous film of his as an answer, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. She said Anchorman. She said Anchorman. I would like to posit a different Adam McKay film to be adapted for the, for the stage. Um, and that would be what I think is his best movie, his masterpiece, genuinely, Step Brothers. Mm, I, I, was, I thought it might be that one. Have you seen Step Brothers, Brian? Uh, it's been a long time, but yes, I've been to the Catalina wine mixer before. <laughs> you've, been, you've been to the fucking Catalina wine mixer, pow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Step Brothers <laughs> genuinely is like his best movie. I think it is like a really... Wonderful film. I own it on 4K Blu-ray. Um, I do. <laughs> um, it is... Uh, I think it says more about American egoism than anything in Don't Look Up does. Yeah, um, I, I, think believe, it, I mean, I haven't seen Don't Look the, Up, so I believe you. Step Brothers literally opens with a George Bush quote. Um, yeah. uh, it's, it is so insightful. It is so stupid. It is so absurd. It is a wonderful film. And I think tonally it has the makings of a wonderful musical theater stage adaptation. I think it has outsized characters. I think it has, 
are just like wonderful emotional beats. I think it it has characters who are already invested in music already. So Mm -hmm. like their proclivity to burst into song is not far off from the characters themselves, Brett and Dale. You have fun spectacle opportunity with like, uh, you know, locations and stuff of like really fleshing out the house in fun ways, but even the uh, aforementioned wine mixer and... Uh, I don't know, just the like fights and like the vi- the physical <laughs> yeah, comedy that lot goes of violence on could be like so movie. much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you have obviously Adam Scott's family has the she's got a smile and they have like their like oh, little yeah. like acapella oh, moments God. in the car. Obviously, you have the big finale opera moments. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you would keep that or if you'd write an original song for them to sing. You have, of course, the classic rap number by Prestige Worldwide. Boats and Hose. Uh-huh. Um, um, you have a, an original John Brion song in there already called At Your Age, because he also did the score for the movie. Um, maybe John Brion writes the rest of the the songs. I don't know. Maybe so. Um, I think I you got a, a, an amazing Catherine Hahn performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I feel like that character deserves a brilliant, like, Have Sex With Number. Me Dale song. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's a lot. There's just so much. I think it is such Very an absurd. I mean, the early, the early Adam McKay movies are so absurd that they lend themselves to musicalization. Yeah. I think that's what's really great about them. You could get a draw by doing like the old uh, True West thing and the actors could swap <laughs> yeah. roles every other performance. I mean, hey, know? John C. Riley is already here, so yeah. why not? <laughs> exactly. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. I, my picks, also, my, I would say my picks would be uh, Brian Darcy James and uh, Michael Servers for the okay. two. <laughs> no oh. NLB, eh? No, well, no actually, love. well, and 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 NLB would actually be very good in this too. I don't know. I don't know what he's up to these days uh, as an Me actor. Um, he was in Enron. He was in the play Enron on Broadway, um, which is a wild thing for. Uh, he, I saw him actually. I saw Norbert Leo Butts do How I Learned to Drive off Broadway. And he played Uncle Whoa. Peck, and he was really good. I bet. Um, oh, scary. So that's my answer to the question. Um, I got. We'll want to think of more ones because we got a few more guestless episodes next week, or we'll have to figure out other ways to end the episodes. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll just uh, talk about what we have for lunch. It. I for uh, <laughs> sure. That's. I know that the listeners are good craving sandwich, that. Good. Good. Sam- best sandwiches on the west side of Chicago. There'll be a recurring segment. Mm-hmm. Good sandwiches on the Teaser, website. Bari Italian Deli is going to be on the list. <laughs> um, so that's our show. Thank yeah. you for joining us in 2022. We got some really fun episodes uh, queued up. We'll be back with some great guests. Um, I want to thank uh, Bran Moorhead, as always, for producing and editing this show. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I want to thank M. Modash. I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song. Um, you can, as I said before, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Movie the Musical. Support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash moviethemusical. Consider becoming a monthly member. We are really changing up the bonus content we've got on Patreon. It's super fun. It's, uh, it's a blast over there. We've got uh, uh, discussions on musicals turned into movies we've got 
Broadway news updates. We've that was got our latest one and some more. We more some... and varied. More. That's the that's the 2022 spirit. More, more and varied. And varied. Uh, so that's our show. Keep on singing. And the official movie, the musical, starts is break the rules. <laughs> <laughs>